Hello, and welcome to What We've Learned, Episode 7. And this week, we're talking about training. As ever, I'm joined by Shane Redding. Hello, Shane. Hi, Steve. So training is something close to both of our hearts, but it's something you have been doing a lot of, of, of late. Thoughts? What's been changing, Shane? Why should we talk about training today? Yes, um, lots to talk about, not just of late either. I was trying to recall when I first did my very first training gigs, and I reckon, this is a bit scary, it's at least 35 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> so, so, hold on, you started training when you were seven, Shane. Amazing. Thank you, Steve. Uh-huh. Yes, of course I did, child prodigy. Um, and of course, you know, loads has changed in that time, and and. and online training which we're all talking about has been around in fact for a very long time but I think the reason that I'm really keen to talk about it and I think you found this too is since Covid just how quickly training has changed even more in a virtual world I mean it was already changing but just the pace of change and already some of the style and formats. And I know you've been doing training this week, so I'm really interested to know what you found's changed. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And by the way, fact fans, October the 21st, 2004 was the first time I ever did training and you happen to have been in the room, Shane, which is probably why I've hung on to your coattails ever since. Um, yeah, so I ran a course for the IDM this week on a one day digital strategy course. And what I think has been interesting for me, and I'm sure for others listening in, when they're wrestling with training, and it, we can expand that out, I think, Shane, with learning, with knowledge, with education, um, but with the with the training hat on, taking people through a syllabus that I would have typically delivered in classroom, in person. Um, the way that we worked it on Wednesday, using Zoom, of course, we are the Zoom generation, um, was three 90-minute blocks, so starting at 9.30 in the morning UK time. And interestingly, one of my delegates uh, although normally based in the UK, she's locked down in Texas with her family at the moment. So for her, bless her, it was 4 a.m. a starting point uh, for some training, uh, which oh, is an interesting. Wow. Yeah, indeed. And an interesting one, of course, what I'm sure we'll come on to in the balance of just because you can train people at the time via the technology you've got. Is it the best thing for them to do? Um, the 90 minutes worked well. So I think in simple learnings for us and anyone else involved in training, you can probably deliver more. Uh, online uh, you you lose less time uh, which is a positive um, but the negative is what you're losing is the ability to have such a, a depth of discussion so we did use zoom we did use um, voice and we used um, webcam which I think is really important and I'm quite a late convert to the value of having a webcam turned on for these things um, so that you can keep that discussion going so three times 90 minute blocks seem to work well but I think that's probably people's capacity within a day. And maybe even that was stretching things, Shane. I uh, think that's really interesting. In mind their capacity. What about your capacity, Steve? Because uh, in doing physical a whole day face to face, any teacher will tell you the adrenaline and the energy you put into a room um, is significant and you do feel really tired. And I personally, I'd be I'd be really worried about doing a whole day virtually. I think you're you tend to be sitting rather than standing, whereas normally I might need to change the way I train and actually stand because I think that would help me. Um, but how did you cope delivering all of that training in one day? Yeah, it's a good point. So you are sat, of course, at a desk uh, and there are very practical considerations compared to being 
face to face. If you want to have that eye contact with a webcam, then you can't wander around too much, even if you've got, like I wear, a headset that you can wander around a little bit. Um, it was mentally exhausting, Shane, I have to say. But then, uh, to be honest, I find, and I'm sure you do as well, training, a day of training, however delivered, is exhausting more mentally than physically because of the concentration and trying to to um, objectively move things along to keep things relevant and to, to keep the discussion as well as churn the PowerPoints. I think you've got an extra dimension to consider here, which is the technology. Uh, so, you know, the technology problems face to face are often the projector, but someone else can take care of it. And remembering to click forward rather than back on your remote clicker. Now, of course, you've got to think about the chat box, the annotation. If someone's having a technical problem, is it your responsibility? So it is quite a lot to take on from a multitasking point of view, for sure. I agree. And I think actually the ones I've done, it's helped if I've had a moderator because that takes some of the burden off monitoring the tech stuff. And I think we have to remember that not everybody's got great Wi-Fi internet connection and they might be dropping in and out. But I just want to pick up on the point you made about using Zoom and the people for whom that works well. It was a really great article, which we'll, we'll tag in the LinkedIn conversation, like we often reference more resources there, um, in National Geographic this week, which is about um, basically Zoom overload. Um, and mm. it's something picked up by Joel Harrison at um, B2B Marketing as well. And I think we have to be very cognizant of the fact that we're all getting quite screen wet, sort of weary. Mm -hmm. And you need to be thinking about somebody's working week is and I think it's something we'll come on and talk a bit more about later. But we really need to think about the right way to deliver training. And certainly I know the effort you put in and the effort myself and other you know, trainers in marketing to make sure that we use all of the tools um, for people in order to engage them and to get them to interact and to set exercises. Really important. Yeah, I think it's a really good point, Shane. And and it's it's just transferring the same kind of approach. You need to use different skills when you're face to face to engage people, whether it's your pace or your tone, physical, you know, movement, uh, language, etc. Um, it's using the technology versions of that. So knowing when to use with with the likes of Zoom, the annotate options, which personally, I find a great way, probably the most effective way of running uh, something like that without having to prepare polls you can be much more dynamic with the annotation tools that just allow you to get everybody to edit a page. So you can do quizzes and all sorts of things much more readily. Um, but it is still technology, so it's it's prone to going wrong. It's just an extra piece to consider. Just because you can use the technology doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do, I guess is my take so far. And I think picking up on that point, also there's a huge assumption, it's almost the elephant in the room at the moment, um, that's basically well everybody got time to do training at the moment and we know that's certainly not the case um, some people you know have absolutely no time to do anything beyond the day job um, and more because they're doing so much more on multitasking so I think what's really interesting is to to think about now and I think you've been having a chat to Debbie about exactly this yeah absolutely you're right it's not just you and I I'm sure anyone listening in feels that way but Debbie James is far more learned than you than, than myself on this she's global capability manager at BP so Debbie has for a number of years been front and center of learning um, she looks after seven, eight hundred marketeers within BP and helps them from a learning point of view. So I had a chat with her and the first question I asked Shane was, look, how have things changed with training in the recent weeks and months? 
Okay. I think it's a really interesting question, actually, and it has been pretty variable, I have to say. Um, so I personally have been delivering all of the marketing training virtually for the last couple of years. So I've luckily been in a very good place anyway, because that's what we were already doing. And uh, luckily the organization has chosen the Zoom platform for all of our virtual learning. So we actually are set up very well to be able to deliver quality virtual training. So that's been quite fortuitous actually. Um, in terms of what's been happening, I think it's really dependent on the part of the organization that you're in. Um, some people are working in operations, they're busier than ever, um, really incredibly busy, haven't got any time to do training. Other people are less busy. I mean, we're all at home. Um, those that aren't in sort of operational type roles that have to be either in the refineries or offshore. So we've got a lot of our employees, the vast majority are at home. Um, and I, I think it's there's, there's a few things happening. So some training programs are face-to-face. -face. They've obviously had to be cancelled. Um, we've also stopped other things because we're in quite cost-conscious times, I would say, and as I imagine that pretty much everybody is. And we're being very focused on what it is that we are running. Mm, so in terms... Yeah, in terms of the, the marketing offer, um, which is mine, we have cut some of them. Um, but actually, uh, funnily enough... We've when you say cut some, do you mean some of the courses you've just not had the demand for of late? No, we will actually just be running less. We're, we're in very cost-conscious times, so we are really focused in on delivering the training that is really going to make a difference to where we're going strategically. So it's really sort of honed us in on exactly what we want to be doing, and we know that these are the things that are going to deliver the most value. And I would say that that's happening more broadly. Um, there's some critical face-to-face -face training that will have to be transitioned. But as I said, and I, this is where I'm, I'm, I find it easier to talk, particularly about my personal circumstances, which is being in charge of marketing training. Um, what we've actually done is accelerated the learning offer. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, Debbie, it sounds quite positive, if it, and not that the word positive is used a lot at the moment, that uh, forget the environment and the wider world. This is... is played almost to your your aims which is to move more people to, to to devour this kind of content these this training in this way so you've, you're finding that more people have got time and an inclination to focus on this themselves and it marries to those initiatives you've got you want um, to move them to those strategic areas that are important to bp yeah i think definitely um we've actually accelerated in, in programs that we're going to be running later in the year in response to demand and i i think i see a couple of things happening some people do actually have more time on their hand because activities necessarily have been paused in certain areas so they are much more willing to be able to dedicate and and i suppose a point here is that we do run quite a, a bite-sized version of training so we we have one hour to one and a half hour webinars and then they are supplemented by bite-sized self-paced learning which we house on learning pathways so we're not asking for big chunks of people's time it's quite easy for them to fit it into their days um, we have brought a lot of things forward that we were planning already so we've accelerated those and I would say that um, we are regularly seeing so we've probably got in the region of about 700 marketers we're regularly seeing it on any one webinar around 100 um, so really good participation 
and anecdotally as well so you know we're getting good feedback because the things that we're looking at are strategically where we want to focus we've taken a conscious decision to uh, update all of our materials uh, so we're looking at things like behavioral economics uh, account-based marketing marketing with empathy uh, social media in, in its various aspects digital and very much focusing that on in on what does COVID-19 mean to that I mean these subjects lend themselves very nicely and people are obviously very keen to start thinking about how do we respond to this now what's the right way to respond um, there's lots and lots of initiatives going on within BP in terms of BP steps up and the businesses are taking you know BP as a whole is is, a, is very got a big social conscious and we've been doing a lot in that area so we can reference all of that but then we're starting to think about you know where do we go after this I mean we don't no one knows what's going to happen but we have to prepare ourselves for what's coming next and we're focusing very much in on these sorts of topics as well as sort of the overall themes that we're teaching as well mm. so I think there's a lot of interest from that perspective but just from the other perspective and this is very much anecdotal um, from what uh, talking to different marketers what I've been told is also you know we're in unprecedented times and people are stuck at home and a lot of us are not used to working at home and you know on top of that you've got the broader social isolation so actually having that ability to take an hour take 90 minutes to come out of that day to day to actually make those connections think about something else connect with colleagues across the world I think people are really appreciating that it's it's something different it's something you know just to distract them in, in what are pretty challenging times both personally and professionally yeah it's a really good point isn't it that's the benefit of the technology as you mentioned face-to-face -face cannot happen at the moment and the geographical spread of your business being global means a lot of these people that perhaps would only have seen each other in a room if they happen to be on the same continent at the same time can kind of collaborate via this technology and learn with others that are in completely different parts of the business yeah I think it's driving connections and, and that's always been a really big thing as well about driving connections across different geographies across different businesses but now it's just more of that feeling of belonging um, you know every single webinar that we have people will join a bit earlier a lot of people will and there'll be chats about how are you how are you getting on um, it becomes much more social as well and I think BP as a company is is very much around that it's a very caring company I think Bernard Looney our CEO sets that from the top he's a, a very human CEO cares a lot about the employees you can really see that shining through very a big proponent of mental health um, and also just around the community so I think you know we are very much supporting each other through that and it's very interesting to see learning taking almost that that bigger piece so not only are we building our skills for the future and you know I'm looking this very much as sort of a 2020s the year that will invest in you uh, taglines were sort of thrown um, but we're, we're very much looking to expand where we're going um, not just on you know on formal learning the bite-sized pieces the lunch and learns maybe the best practice sharing where I'm actually at the moment looking at a broader plan for what we can do for the rest of the year because there is very much interest in saying you know the very English expression if you get lemons you make lemonade well how can we really take this situation and make the best out of it how can we utilize this um, um, to really get our, our marketers to invest in themselves to facilitate that best practice sharing that community building and I think there is a big mental health element in this as well and, and learning can play a role in that in just raising people's spirits.
Mm. Culture is a really key part of what you've just said. It comes as any organization with CEO down, but that balance is what you're striking. It sounds is that you're giving that individual something to keep them occupied, as you said, to keep them distracted perhaps. Um, But it's also helping the business because you've tailored your courses and you're adapting the courses you run to make sure that they're good for for what BP needs to do as they keep the wheels turning of, of sales and marketing right now. Exactly. I mean, we have a a long-term ambition that's been set out by Bernard in terms of reinventing BP. Um, We uh, aim to be net zero by 2050 at the latest. And, you know, as well as low carbon, we've got a big social responsibility. And that obviously then filters down to the whole organisation and where we need to go as an organisation to get there with big impacts on, on marketing as one of the functions too. So very much as we are planning offers, we're looking at where we need to go to get there and uh, our marketing offers are are actually tailored to that aim as you can imagine but very much now as well you know COVID-19 how do we respond to that how's the overall organization responding what's going on out there how do we want to react how and 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 some really good um, questions that I know from talking to partners and, and people like yourself as well everybody's asking so which of these trends are just now because of COVID-19 and what is fundamentally going to shift you know we're talking about a new normal uh, what is that new normal going to be are we ever going to go back to how it is, was before arguably not so what is that new normal going to look like and I think we can really take utilize this as an opportunity to move forward in a very positive way if you look at it from an environment perspective which is obviously something we're very focused on um, you can look at emissions going down there's been lots of positives out of this sort of unintended positives well we don't want to lose all of that so and I think you can look at that also from a learning perspective I mean we were delivering virtually anyway but you know we very much like to keep this momentum going there have been massive changes um what can we take from that and keep going forward So as you said, Shane, fascinating stuff. Debbie does know and has had that experience. Really interesting how, as you say, not everybody's got the time. You've got to be respectful of that. But keep that momentum that she talked about. Keep things going forward, whether those things are digital or perhaps they change back. Um, what did you think? Oh, great. Absolutely fabulous. And I wrote down four takeaways for myself personally okay. uh, to apply. So first one really challenge yourself your organization why are you doing it really important you know setting that objective of the training and i think at the moment and i love some of the things that debbie brought up you know it can be upskilling it can be cross-skilling training staff in in completely new areas um and then this sort of softer one this point about the staff engagement or benefit but being really clear is it seen as a benefit to them at the moment or if they're juggling young children or other um, issues in their lives at the moment they might not see it as a benefit so giving them the flexibility of choice of when and how to consume it and maybe even if they want to consume it i think is really important so for me you know that number one why are you doing it yeah Yeah. i think Shane's such a good point and and debbie didn't say it on there but she could have easily said and and I know Debbie from having worked with her over a couple of years she has three young children herself so she you know she can very much empathize and understand what it's like to strike that balance of being you know professional person and a parent and, and a family member as well so yeah really important just because again as we said just because you've got the technology and the route to people it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to to force them 
uh, or to to move them to have to do these things. Yeah. So and that's I the why then, Shane. That's the why. And I think on that point, communicating the why as well, you know, mm. explaining to everybody how this training will help the organisation be fit for purpose, it will help the business to survive and thrive, is equally important. Sometimes I see training goes out there without really any context, it being all about the individual rather than about explaining that it's about the organisation trying to change as a whole. And that context is so important. Mm, yeah, definitely. OK, what's after why then, Shane? Um, Time. There's lots of debate, I think, about the right length and format at the moment. And the honest answer is, of course, we don't know. Mm. Um, we don't know what's right because we're only just starting to get in the analysis of what's working and not working. And you mentioned right at the beginning, doing your whole day of four 90 minute sessions. Um, you know, is that what the delegates want and like? Because it's intensive. They can get all the questions answered. You make it super interactive. Or actually, is it? about on demand catch up quick you know sort of the the bite-sized learning and I think to me one of the things that again if you're not clear on the why you're doing it the purpose and the objective it's much harder to work out the right format once you've got this clear objective upskilling for example can be quite short and sharp mm. um, so different approaches do you agree I completely agree yeah and I think there's a couple of points there for me. One is we don't yet know, as you say. However, we do know if you transfer it back to the the face-to-face -face world that there is fatigue. If you try and put people into an intensive course, um, so a, a course that I've tutored over the years that can is run day release is also run as an intensive three-day block. And you look at the data in terms of how people learn and, and by about day two afternoon, um, they are struggling. It doesn't matter how good and engaging that that speaker is, that tutor, it's very hard for people to take things in. So I think we already know there's a problem. It's just we don't yet have the, the insight on what that transfers to with digital, but we must recognise it. Um, and then I think, again, in terms of, as you say, it, it doesn't have to all be move traditional offline learning onto digital, bite-sized. And, and Debbie made a good point for their learning pathways at BP, where they've got the core delivery of a live or recorded webinar, but then you can go and graze on other aspects. And I think, Shane, for that, that's a really good way of recognizing that people will be at different levels so you can get them to consume that content before or after the main center point of training that helps them get up to speed um, so that they're all on a similar path uh, throughout the journey i think that's great advice that sort of pick and mix mm. and as you say really important you get the level right and that there are you know everybody has the same basic understanding um, but then you can accelerate away at different levels and I think that brings me on to the third point we know lots of people very motivated at the moment doing lots of self-learning um, investing in themselves maybe not being supported by their companies and I think what's really interesting there is you know what are they choosing to do some of it is is not work related at all but it's about you know the mental health um, meditation or fitness and I heard something really interesting I was chatting to to James Morgan um, a data consultant is with massive experience in large enterprises uh, I first worked with him at when he was at Telefonica and then at British Gas and he was saying he'd been looking at the way that habits change and apparently it takes 90 days for somebody's habits to change wow and interesting I, really 90 interesting. days 
yeah, 90 okay. days. So actually, if you want to reinforce your training to change the way people work um, or change some of their skills, I think too often training is delivered once and you might have some check-ins but there's not enough repetition so mm. I think you know that's something we might take from self-learning um, back into if you like our work world and go well actually we all know if we want to take up a new sport or we have to keep going at it but I don't see that so much in work skills. Well I think that's where there is an advantage for digital training and learning because you're right if, if, if you, you've got the risk that somebody attends whether it's an internal or external training course and they just are there for the free lunch and they sit and they go through the day and they go through the motions you need to make that learning actionable um, and therefore you know often how we would have done it of course would be to have that follow-up as you say now that follow-up's difficult because of the geography you can't get everyone back in the same room so easily but of course, a virtual room, you can. So I think what we may see is that you'll have, again, that first starting point. And then maybe rather than, as we talked about, those three, four, 90 minute chunks, maybe you do the first 90 minutes. And then it's weeks later that people check back in, say, well, how much have you done? What have you learned from this? What can you show and tell that then you pick up a next stage? So I think even the timings in terms of the delivery may be very different. And it gives us a chance to really review it, which is excellent. I think that's great. And you've just reminded me of something because clearly we're not getting the free lunch anymore. But um, <laughs> I once did a, um, a, a speaking gig out in Sri Lanka, which was fabulous. Um, but I was warned um, by my lovely client, Ian Ramsden, and it was on digital marketing. He said, Shane, whatever you do, don't be put off by the fact that when you start your session there'll probably be about 10 percent of the audience in the room and I said what do you mean only 10 percent he said oh the room will be full at about 10 minutes before the tea break when we serve the free food buffet <laughs> and sure enough that's when everybody rocked up um so great great learning that was uh, very amusing yeah interesting yeah so I have to say I, I tend to teach in Finland and I do really admire the Finnish breakfasts and their incredibly strong coffee. Uh, so I am missing that. My ability to hear conversations six miles off, having had a few brews over there, is disappearing. So, um, yeah, it's not all about online forever. Uh, it's but it's not, not about just doing it for the sake of it as well. And that probably leads us to your fourth point. It does. Yeah, um, you know, how are you going to measure it? I think, you know, we wouldn't be data led marketers unless we had measurement on, on the, the takeouts, really. And, you know, what are going to be your, your key performance indicators? And I love the fact that, that Debbie's title is learning. You know, it is all about how do you ensure that that learning is embedded? Um, how are you going to measure that? How are you going to measure some of the softer measures? And, I think that's really important to think about. It's not just a tick. They did this training. They logged on. They did it. But your point you made right at the beginning, Steve, is what I think as a trainer really makes it rewarding to both you and I is when you get that contact from a delegate months later and they say, I did that thing you mentioned and it worked. And oh, wow, that's your that's your moment. That that's you that's lifted. Shane, that's the moment when you wish you'd have put a 10 percent uplift into their contract to say, <laughs> look, let's get some recompense. No, you're absolutely right. That's the bit you reason you should be doing it for is it, it's practical and it's actionable and it, it, you, you see things in progress and move forward. Uh, I think you make a really interesting point as well. In fact, it leads on to a discussion I had with, with Matt at Circus Street, who I think we should hear from, with, around it, it's the, the format that you use as well. And, and Circus Street, as we know, they create interactive and very entertaining marketing and sales training. Uh, and that's part of it as well, is to consider 
the format of the delivery that you, you can't just transfer PowerPoint slides into a digital environment and expect them to always work. You need to think about that, that slightly lean back. Um, is it more like a TV production? That sort of thing. In fact, that's where I started. So Matt Darman is business director at Circus Street and I've I had a chat with him earlier in the week and said, look, first and foremost, if somebody's listening in and wants to get started with online learning, what does he recommend? Yeah, so I, there's, there's generally there's generally two types of organisations um, that, we, that we talk to. I guess the first is, is that organisation that um, absolutely knows where they need to get to. Um, so they, they have a, a, a burning business or learning objective they, they need to uh, satisfy and achieve uh, you know there's a north star they're aiming towards um or the, the second type is an organization that knows they need to be spending more time on this um but as you say don't don't really know know where to start um and, and, it, and it isn't easy because it can be quite bewildering um there are a number of um learning providers out there uh, and there's a, a number of courses that that, that people can uh, can sign up to um so, I so think if you've got those businesses, Matt, that as you've mentioned uh, when we were chatting earlier, that they perhaps are not new to not new to not new to face to face, they're used to and comfortable with the idea of staff training is often put them in a room physically together. Of course, that's just not on the table right now. So, so how does one transition? Is it about teaching the same kind of courses? Do you need to assess where they are as individual learners before you then start to go and scope out the, the programs that you put in front of them? Yeah, you can do. Yeah, you can do. Um, I mean, we so for instance, we have a number of tools um, at Circuit Street that, that would help an organisation and an individual learner benchmark where they and their company are at. Um, you know, uh, prior to, to you know completing a lesson. So all of our lessons are bookended with pre um, and post um, questionnaires. Uh, so so the, the pre questionnaire allows. Um, the learners benchmark their knowledge going into a topic and the post uh, questionnaire allows them to um, see that knowledge and that capability of uplift and that's one basic metric that we can use to demonstrate a shift in, in, in knowledge which is certainly helpful um, you know from a reporting point of view but, but typically when we when we start on a program with, with a client we'll um, aim to understand again what those what those business objectives are and once we know those business what those business objectives are and where they want to get to we can recommend the correct um, the correct uh, program of lessons for, for, for a learning group to, to complete um, and then through through these these sort of hard metrics through um, through knowledge uplift we can also track uh, behavior change in, in in learners and typically this will be through um, um, holding informal interviews and, and, and completing feedback surveys because tracking behavior change is, is really important to then demonstrating uh, business impact which of course is the key thing and I think that's often something that training whether it's face-to-face -face or, or, or online learning um, can neglect uh, and that's really the key thing it's, it's demonstrating effectiveness um, and often that can be missed and so something that we find really effective is is capturing what those objectives are so you can measure that those those, those shifts in behavior and, and, and what that actual business impact is so when you're having to report to your senior leadership team how well this training program is going um, Secretary are able to are able to do that and help you and help you demonstrate that, that effectiveness. But again, we can work with you to identify what those learning objectives are uh, and what those what those lessons need to be. So if you're starting out um, on a on a on a on a learning program uh, around around digital, we need to understand what that basic literacy is, and so we can help 
raise the floor of understanding. So it might be to teach some basic lessons around how um, you know, ad tech works or how the media marketplace works. And then we can start to look at implementing or, 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 or covering learning around uh, digital strategy and start to implement uh, learning around different channels, how you reach your audience, um, um, and we take it from there. At the moment, the, the big topics we're seeing demand is, is, is across um, search, we're seeing huge demand uh, across e-commerce, um, but also around customer experience and user experience. They're the big sort of topics that we're, we're, we're seeing at the moment and often are a good starting point. Yeah, interesting around that. And, and as you said, Matt, a really good point around learning. And, and I know this from a tutoring point of view. It doesn't matter what the environment is. It, training is not just training for training's sake. It needs to be actionable, as you say, from a from a payback point of view for the business, but also for that individual to get the confidence that, okay, I now understand this better. As you said, search and, and how people are using Google and other search engines far more at the moment because of the lockdown environment, making sure that the individuals know how to uh, exploit that from their own marketing means. But the business are also seeing that Steve's been on a course. He's actually doing something now that is delivering business value on the back of that training. That's the really critical bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And I think, and I think, to, to, and this is the thing, isn't it? E-learning has is, is had a bad rep over a, over a number of years for being quite dry. You know, you think of e-learning, a lot of people will think of you know, mandatory compliance training where it's tick box to show you've shown, you know, show you've understood how to correctly, you know, um, lift a lift a box or or, or you you know where the fire exit is. You know, it, it drums up these really dull perceptions. But um, I think e-learning has to be much more creative and engaging than that. And that's certainly something that we um, that, that we've tried to to, to 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 create with 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 Circus Street. And so when people come through this online learning, you know, there's, there's been elements of uh, gamification or interaction built in, so people can start to apply what they've learned. Um, but I think I think having that I think having that face-to-face -face element is important to embed what you've learned. And of course, that's not always impossible at the moment. So I think companies need to think about how we can how we can still retain that that um that that uh, interactivity between uh, learners um, so for instance you know what we've done is create is create these workshop packs that can be delivered remotely and that allows learners to take take all that theory take the take the the um the cases that they might have seen online and then apply it to their business i think that's really really important is that is that embedding the learning um because that that, that is ultimately what's going to drive that that, that business impact it, well, it also strikes me as well, back to a point you made earlier when we were chatting offline around how trends are changing, that people consume training at different times. You're seeing spikes over weekend and in the week. Of course, our general working days have changed a lot. We've not got the commute. We're all working from home if we're working. So the other benefit, I suppose, rather than an organization being new to digital online training and fearful of what it loses, is also what it gains is that actually that learner can go and learn, can sign on to that module and that, that best practice when suits them, as we're all trying to adapt to our work-life balance. If that's best for them to do on a Sunday afternoon or a late Tuesday evening, they've got that option that, of course, you just wouldn't have if you were running things in the rigid face-to-face -face environment. Yeah, exactly. You know, it fits in around their, around their schedule and, and a lot of companies um, are taking very serious, you know, the, the notion of, um, you know, of well-being and certainly of mental health and allowing uh, their employees to, to manage their working day to fit in around their families and, 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 uh, and other, other challenges they, they have as they adapt to working from home. Um, and we've always recommended, you know, long before the, the, the COVID-19 um, 
uh, pandemic we've always recommended that learners you know find time to plan learning into their into their calendar um, but, but as you say something that we're, we're getting uh, a piece of feedback we're getting regularly from learners at the moment is they're they're finding that a good time to schedule for learning is 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 is, is the time they would otherwise be spending on, on commuting um, so people are often um, logging into the platform for that half hours you know in the morning or, 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 or the half hours as they'll be you know traveling home so they're, they're finding that really really useful but again as, as you say we're also finding people um, um, logging on a lot more uh, online which I, f I find really interesting um, perhaps they need to find a bit of time to get away from their, their families a little bit who, who knows but um, but something else we're finding as well is um, learners are saying that they're finding it really helpful to to buddy up with a colleague so they're not necessarily need to do this alone you know given given the access to things like uh, Microsoft Teams or Zoom or, or what have you um, not only can you do your online learning but if you're if you're buddied up uh, with a colleague through through a um, uh, a VC of some sort you can also share in real time some ideas and tips okay that was an interesting point that that the speaker made there how, how would we apply this to our our company um, we're finding that um, you know you, just because you're at home doing online learning doesn't mean that you need to be alone uh, doing it you can still you can still catch up with your with your colleagues whilst you're whilst you're doing that yeah, it's an interesting point around that collaboration, isn't it? Again, as we've seen, the, the, the Zoom generation, as we're now becoming known as, have this ability to collaborate for basic things like meetings. So, of course, it naturally extends into training and learning. And I suppose it, it, it feels a lot like in another walk of life, if you're trying to go and get out there and be fit and exercise physically, rather than, as we're talking about, exercising one's brain with training, it's much easier to do exercise if you've got a gym buddy or a running partner. So you're just recreating something that we already know works well for humans but against the axis of, of training and learning. Yeah, yeah, exactly that, exactly that. And I think, um, uh, I think people need to be, um, people need to be entertained. People know that they, people know they need to invest in their own, their own, their own development and, and, and having their employer uh, support that um, gives them the freedom to, to invest in their own learning and development. And of course, the way we've approached it, um, the way we've approached our own um, uh, portfolio of, of content is to make it feel, um, it's to make it feel entertaining so it's quite high production value um, and I think that really really resonates um, with, uh, with, with learners. Some really interesting points there Shane and as Matt said that production values that entertaining and Circus Street are excellent at that um, that is certainly something to consider as part of our arsenal but it isn't all about that I think we can learn some lessons that if you've not got great content and you know that from an offline environment when you've done face-to-face -face, it certainly isn't going to work in digital um, there's lots of good resources though Shane if people are still interested in getting started where where does one go what do you think I think that's a great point and I think there's some that's more along the lines of edutainment if you want to call it that nice um, yep. we shall you know good that's you know the youtube you know there's loads on there fantastic it's free um it's not always easy to find it so again i really hope that people um who are listening to this podcast will give shout outs to their favorite marketing resources on linkedin and on youtube my personal uh i think they absolutely nailed it i loved the earnest videos uh, they did a whole series on statistics for b2b mm, marketers yeah absolutely Vital um, statistics for B2B, I think. Yeah, and I got amazing level of views because it was interesting 
entertaining and you learn loads so that that to me is good practice uh, where else do I go well obviously LinkedIn bought Linda there's loads of free resources I think the last time I I searched on there for marketers there's over a hundred LinkedIn tutorials some are free some are paid what about you yeah, I, I've, LinkedIn's great. I mean, sometimes it can be a bit LinkedIn centric in the way that Google has great content, but it's obviously talking about Google. Um, HubSpot's a resource that it's an interesting one. And funny enough, actually, back to Ernest and Chris at Ernest, I remember having the conversation with him a number of years ago when HubSpot first surfaced. Is We didn't actually realize HubSpot sold marketing automation software. It was more they looked like they were a publisher of digital marketing best practice. Uh, and that's their content marketing approach is to create an awful lot of free, very good, valuable resource that helps you learn not just how to use HubSpot, but a much broader array as well. So I think as a top tip, one of the things that we should all do, including myself, I put myself firmly in this camp, is take a hard look at the tools that we use every day. And whether that's, you know, something boring like Outlook or whether it's LinkedIn or Excel or Zoom or Twitter or Salesforce or HubSpot, all of these vendors have amazing training resources. Absolutely fantastic. As you say, some of them win awards, whether it's HubSpot or Marketo or Salesforce. Some of the vendors are opening up their training, which would be part of a paid package for free so you can self-certify. So I think there is an onus on ourselves to invest in our own skills. Um, I've had to do it. I mean, I mentioned right at the beginning, you know, I've been training for a long time. A lot of these tools were not around there and I wouldn't have learned it without help from others, including creating this podcast with you, Steve. And I'm glad you're doing the technical stuff, by the way. <laughs> Attempting the technical stuff. Yeah, I think it's a very good point, Shane. It's easy, actually. You miss the fact that, you know, Microsoft through Outlook, et cetera, and all of the different providers, we often go to it from a support point of view, a reactionary, ah, I need some help with something I can't make work, rather than that more lean back, what can I go and learn to do differently today? I think it's a balance point though, Shane, isn't it? That's the other thing to remember, as we've said, is just because in theory, people have got the time because maybe the commute's gone. I think what we're learning uh, is as, the, as we settle into this is that it's a seven day week. Uh, that Monday to Friday working pattern in the weekend has eroded for sure. So we, you just make sure that from an employer responsibility point of view that we're not forcing people to have to go and learn um, because they've got the time. That's not great management anyway, but it's just not going to go in. So trying to find that balance, I guess. And that's where I think different formats come in, picking up again on that point. You know, I think there's a quite a nice, I think you should perhaps copyright this one, fit to learn. Um, what was fascinating about the feedback from people who have given us the feedback about listening to the our podcast is that they're doing something else at the same time. They're walking or they're on their rowing machine. I think that was Richard Robinson. Ruth was uh, cycling on yeah, her stationary bike. Yeah, we've had people all sorts of, or they say they're on forms of exercise anyway, Shane. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely fit that multitasking. Uh, and I did read a stat actually, although initially podcasts overall had really plummeted in the first few weeks of, of lockdown because of the commute going, is that B, B2B podcasts particularly, there's been a real uh, growth in that area because it's another very uh, convenient way of trying to educate and to learn. It, it fits in with that that mix, as you say. 
and it's a break from screen time going back to what we point you know from your zoom fatigue so i think you need to think about that as well other great resources some of these are paid some of them are opening up um, to allow more access in the current climate include smart insights i know you know you and i are both great fans of dave chaffee's yeah, absolutely toolkits amazing resource then you've got all of the resources on b2b marketing sites and then lastly and certainly not least um because you know we we both have done or do a lot for dma um and i think that initiative they've just launched and whether you want to talk a little bit about that is really exciting yeah absolutely so the dma and the idm of uh, i don't know the exact ins and outs but have put together hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of joint funding with the dm trust for people that are furloughed marketing professionals that are furloughed or have been made redundant of the last few months to go and get free training and of course as we've talked about the training can be done online and qualification as well shane i think it's important to say so yes you can go and learn but it, perhaps for some people in in that situation it's a great chance for them to go and get a qualification that might really help them stand out when things do begin to pick up uh, or indeed in the interim absolutely so this sort of giving back by the industry if you know anybody you're listening to this who has been furloughed or who's been made redundant in marketing or i think i'm very passionate about this you know if you've just graduated and you were hoping for a career in marketing and you're just thinking in this weird world where do i even start start with this because you know this is what the money is aimed at it's growing future talent that will support our industry and get us through this so we'll include uh the link to this amazing initiative uh at the end in the in the linkedin um post as well yeah fabulous i think that gives people plenty to think about thank you shane and thank you everyone so do find out on, on linkedin we'll share some of those resources but equally you can keep in touch via wwl what we've learned podcast.co.uk thanks everyone